0: Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar Presented by Burnham Law Hire the winner at BurnhamWall.com This is Sandy and Sean On
1: Mile High Sports we're looking to grab, um, I suppose, uh, Cordy Rourke just a, a little bit here. And we're just getting him squared away in a couple moments. But I do want to still continue to talk about this with the Broncos and the idea that uh, coaching is the thing in this case. You know, we're really talking about, you, you talked about the breakdowns that I over at ESPN, the sort of the future rankings and the Broncos the sixth in coaching and everything else. Mediocre to poor, yeah. which I think squares with just about the way we've broken it down too. Uh, there are are there upsides. There are, but for the uh, for the Broncos, it, it ends up being a situation where Sean Payton is really going to be uh, more of a difference maker than you'd like your coach to be in normal years. The expectations that but the Broncos I, think that. I, okay. I think he embraces well, that. I
2: think he embraces that because have to. <laughs> he has made it clear in a way that I haven't heard from other coaches in the past when they come in to take over a team, we have a way we train, we have a way we practice, we have a way we meet. All right. He put those three things together and said, it's not for everybody. So that was the opening salvo. That was the opening salvo. And we'll get into this with Cody here in just a second. But what's new the point you raised earlier on is the process is the concepts the lines of communication and most especially the search for accountability I think will end with Sean Payton and what he did in the offseason and we talked about it at length with the wide receivers I think was a fascinating demonstration Of who was in charge. It wasn't the happy talk that surrounded Nathaniel Hackett. All right. They were shopping those wide receivers. I don't care what anybody says. Of course there was. Naturally they were. And just because they didn't get the first and/or second round picks they wanted doesn't mean they weren't shopping them. Okay. Who was their first draft pick? a wide receiver, if that wasn't a shot across the bow, I'm tired of hearing about you folks at wide receiver, because I've been hearing for years how great you all are, and I haven't seen it. And I'll show you by bringing in Marvin Mims that I'm serious about replacing any one of you. Any one of you. Now, is Marvin Mims the guy to do that? Randy Mueller of The Athletic wrote today, there was no way but we'll get into that
1: here in a few moments. Yeah, Cody Rourke joins us on Miley Sports, uh, Denver Broncos uh, beat writer and, of course, host of uh, podcasts and everything Broncos. Follow him on Twitter at Cody Rourke. NFL joins us. And, Cody, uh, you heard Sandy a little bit about that. Uh, This is truly now, even though the the roster turnover hasn't started, uh, this is Sean Payton's team. And a lot of the guys coming into this training camp as rookies start today, Uh, it is an interesting transition for them. You may not have been Sean Payton's guy, this is your opportunity to become one of them.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is where he's really going to evaluate things, not only just in training camp, not only has the evaluation started dating back to OTAs and minicamp, but it's going to be preseason. I mean, starters are going to play. How much are they going to play? We don't know, but they're going to get some action, and I think a lot of it is Sean Payton's offense. How do these guys pick it up? What You know, outside of, you know, being spectacular route runners and big-body guys, can they block consistently, in, you know, in the run game? I, I'm excited to see how it's going to pan out because usually in training camp and this time, and especially with the NFL's new rule that you don't have to make roster cuts from 90 to 53 until after the third and final regular season, it really gives, I think, coaches more time with certain players. You know, you may get the first game, right, preseason, and a player doesn't play necessarily how you expect them to, but maybe that's just first game jitters how does this guy look in game number two? How does this guy look in game number three? Then you can make that decision with, a, you know, widespread data and obviously film and clips that, you know, are taken from every practice, every snap, and every preseason game. It, it is Sean Payton's team, and, and I think that's been made very, very clear from the time he was introduced at his press conference.
2: Just to stay on the preseason for a second, uh, the fact that they open with two on the road, if I'm not mistaken, Arizona, yep and San Francisco at Levi's Stadium. And then the Rams are coming in for joint practices prior to a game, I guess, on August 26th at Empower Field at Mile High, um, to open with two road games. Um, does that make any particular difference? Obviously, they're going to practice jointly here with a team. It would have to be the Rams, Is the other two teams they play against, uh, all interestingly from the NFC West and, of course, teams they will not be playing during the regular season. That hasn't always been the case in the past. But generally, be, beyond playing starters more than starters are played last year in the preseason, which was basically not at all, what are the other differences that the schedule may force on the Broncos with two road games and just the one single home game this year.
0: Yeah. You know, obviously, you have the two road games to start, but, you know, if you count the third and final preseason game plus the first two regular season games, Denver will be at home for their first three games that, you know, that, that they play. Last preseason, um, first two regular yeah, season. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think road challenges are always great. You know, I, some of the, the best coaches, you know, some of the coaches I've been around, they've always said, when you are a road team, you always have to embrace when you get off the bus, you have to embrace as if you're already down 14, nothing on the scoreboard because hey, it's a road game. You have to de- develop a structure and a routine. I think for Peyton, one thing he even mentioned as well is he's very big on those types of things. Like he doesn't want to play a game. And then sometimes like if it's a late night primetime game, he doesn't want to play the game, get on a plane and then come straight home. He wants to, there, there needs to be a recoup period. So he even made the analogy about that Monday night game uh, against the Buffalo Bills after the bye week that they're going to go up for that, and after the game they're going to stay a day and they're going to come back the next day instead of going back the next night. They want to develop good routines because Sean Payton, like, this is beyond just football, uh, gentlemen. He he looks at things like how many hours of sleep are these guys getting? What does their nutrition look like? What are they doing You know, in their off time? are they Are they taking care of their bodies? Are they embracing everything that we're doing in terms of treatment? at the facility, I mean, he is so invested in all of these things, which is a different approach than what we got. And as you mentioned, I'm glad you brought it up. Like there, there hasn't been a lot of happy talk. There hasn't been a lot of like fun talk. It's been serious to the detail football talk. And Sean Payton has been all business. Like there's times where Sean Payton cracks a joke with us, but for the most part, everything has been business, 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 because he wants to win. That's why he took the job. He wants to win games. He's been a winning coach all throughout his entire 10 in the NFL, and so for the Broncos, he understands it's a tough task. I mean, especially playing in the AFC West, it's not a challenge he's shying away from, and I think that's a great sign for where the team is at. But, I mean, this process here, gentlemen, for uh, you know road games, for even for these young guys, like some of these young guys are going to make the active roster. They need to know how to prepare for an NFL game. It's a lot different than if you're just preparing for a college game. College has structure in it, but the NFL is a little bit different in terms of, what the coaches, what your teams expect of you when you are on a road game. So I'm excited to see how it pans out, and uh, we're going to find out here very shortly.
1: Cody, I think that the, what you're talking about is really interesting because, uh, look, I'm not knocking first-year head coaches or first-time head coaches because Sean Payton was one, too. Everybody was at one point. But the difference between the first-timers that the Broncos have had and then someone like Sean Payton, what, what you're talking about is interesting, the idea of the structure in college. Uh, but everyone in college, are, you're all roughly college athletes. By and large, you're, you're not fabulously wealthy. You have classes. You have things you have to do. There are guys that make $30 million a year, and there are guys that are making league minimum. And trying to get them to all buy into the same thing can be difficult. And, and Peyton bringing that more holistic approach where everything is interconnected and the things that you do that you might not make, think makes a difference, they make a difference. That lesson really can only be taught with someone who has the experience to show that they've succeeded doing it. And that, to me, I think, is how you start things out for the Broncos when you bring in an experienced coach like Sean Payton. It is essentially, well, there's a lot under the surface, uh, much like an iceberg. You're talking about a guy that at the first meeting can hold up a Super Bowl ring and say, I have one of these. You want one? Let me tell you how to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if uh, you ever want to get anywhere in life, you got to talk to people who have done it. That's the best way to to learn from it, to figure it out. You know, sometimes you can luck into it with happenstance, but the reality is there's always – when people achieve something, there's always something behind it. There's something you can take away, something tangible that you can pass on to other people. And I think being radio, for example, like uh, so many people could learn from Sandy, who's done such a, an amazing job. He's pioneered it here in this market for many, many years. It's about knowing what it takes to get there, and that's something hey, why that do you think Sean. you my job, said. man? I'm, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> See, well, and and even Sean Payton said something like that during. Uh, during one of the press conferences during OTAs or mandatory minicamp, uh, he was asked because it, it was brought up, the Denver Nuggets tie-in there, obviously watching them win a championship. And he said, you know, if you've been fortunate enough to experience something like that, there's nothing like it. Think of the best day in the world and amplify that by 100,000. He said, that's what it feels like. And he says, I want to feel that again. I want these guys that haven't done that. I want them to experience it. So. I think these players, and I can tell you this, I talking to a lot of players I've spoken to throughout OTAs, throughout some off season you know stuff that we've been able to do away from the field, they are they believe in Sean Payton. They believe in everything that he's saying, and and I think it's important. and they look they, they know it's not going to be, hey, you know, let's let's do this. you know it, it, there's going to be some times where it's hard. There's going to be adversity. And I think Sean Payton wants to see how these guys respond to adversity. And I think if you look at last year, Gosh, that was an adversity-filled season. It made you wonder, you know, if Denver had more solidarity on the coaching side of things last year, how would they have responded? Would they have went 5-12 and 12 if this staff was in place? I, that's a question I really, really ask. Uh, but looking forward, this is, this is it. This is the changing of the guard here. Sean Payton has been brought in. He understands what he needs to do. And, look, I think the front office, I think Greg Penner, they are all in on giving Sean Payton whatever he needs to make the Broncos as competitive as they can be. And that's going to be something that I think is a valuable asset for this team to have going forward.
1: Given all of that what you're saying, does the organization understand that patience might be part of that equation?
0: I'd imagine so, right? And I think a lot of people look at, you know, the Penners and they're like, okay, very successful, very business oriented. And a lot of times, you know, it goes back to what Greg Penner said. He's like, I'm not patient. But I don't think he meant I'm not patient in a bad way. Like if he he knows that there's something out there that he can go do or, or acquire that will make them better, that'll give him a chance. He wants to do it now. Versus, you know, this isn't you know this isn't going where I need it to be, so I'm going to make a change really quickly. I, I think in the Hackett situation, that was probably what was best for the team last year. Uh, but overall, I think it's more of. He wants things to fall into place, and, and it's hard. In the NFL, I mean, you're going against 31 other teams in a season. You have a jam-packed schedule. You have all these different variables. People don't really realize it in terms of other professional sports. Football is so complex because there are so many move pieces. You have 11 guys on offense, 11 on defense. You have coaches trying to adjust all at the same time. Ten guys can do their job. One guy can mess up, and it can impact the entire operation. It could change the entire course of a game. It could change the entire course of a season. And that's why I think football is honestly one of the best sports out there because it is so intricate in every single beat. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check out that quarterback documentary on Netflix yet, but it just shows you how deep this game is, it is truly rooted and how talented these guys are and how much like you need talented players, but you need good coaching. And that's something I don't think Denver had last year. They didn't have it consistently enough across the board and Sean Payton is a is a big-time wild card. But I think a lot of people are wondering, can he turn the Broncos around in his first season? In ASUS, it's tough from a perception standpoint. But, yeah, I think that he can.
2: What about the wide receiver position? Because I don't think over the last six years, certainly, there's been a position on the team that's been talked up more often than the wide receiver group. And has delivered less bang for the buck than the wide receiver group. And I concede that, of all areas on this team, maybe the secondary is better. The wide receivers, though, should be better than they are. And you remember earlier in the off season there was talk of uh, trading even Jerry Judy, perhaps Cortland Sutton. Not so much Tim Patrick coming off an injury, but one of the two seemingly top Denver receivers. And Peyton sort of threw cold water over that, but he he didn't necessarily say that the stories were, were all wrong. It was pretty clear that they were asking for – A first-rounder, let's say, in exchange for Judy, second-rounder in exchange for Sutton, nobody was going to give them either a first-rounder or a second-rounder in those instances. But then he turns around, and his first draft pick is Marvin Mims. Uh, How seriously should any of the top three receivers take Marvin Mims, especially in a context of – Uh, What I was reading about the other day, this uh, newly formed and apparently very close friendship that's developed over the last few months between Tim Patrick and the forgotten man, KJ Hamler, who is living with Tim Patrick and training with Tim Patrick.
0: Yeah. I mean, to your point about the wide receiver position and all of these guys here, I, I think, you know, for, for those conversations with those trade rumors and obviously teams called the Broncos, they were interested in those guys and Denver wasn't going to budge unless they were going to get the price that they wanted. Right. And I think that Sean Payton, I think Sean Payton and George Payton, I think they're also very forward thinking, you know, obviously these guys are going to be very instrumental for this upcoming season, but Denver also thinks Sean, and I think Sean and George think that you have to think a year down the road as well. You can't just think about this year. You have to think about the future. You have to put contingency plans in place because I remember after the bye week last year, I mean, obviously there were some injuries that Denver accounted a wide receiver. K.J. Hamler came back a little too early. Like He made tremendous progress last offseason, and the fact that he was able to do what he was able to do and play a little bit in the preseason was very surprising. Um, I, I don't want to take away from that. Um, but you look at where Denver is at. They had Cortland Sutton at one point last year dealing with an injury. Jerry Judy, obviously, with the ankle injury. And at that point, they had to rely on Kendall Hinton and they had to go out and they had to get Freddie Swain, a former teammate of Russell Wilson, in order just to have some counteractive depth there. And, unfortunately, it was not enough for Denver because they were relying on undrafted guys, Brandon Johnson, Jalen Virgil, in the regular season, which, to me, if you only have one receiver available, and that was Cortland Sutton at the time, and you have to complement him with guys like Jalen Virgil, Brandon Johnson, it's not ideal. It doesn't give you the advantage offensively because those guys are still growing and learning in the NFL Now, if this group can stay healthy, I think that they can do a lot of things. I I project them, and this is something I talked about in my Mile High Sports training camp preview, I I expect them to keep at least six wide receivers on the active roster and have, obviously, a couple of the young guys on the practice squad. I think, in my opinion right now, there are four spots that are wide open. I mean, four spots that are locked, and I think there are two spots that are kind of wide open right now here uh, for this team. But you mentioned Tim Patrick. Uh, And and KJ Hamler, I'll I'll tell you this, Russell Wilson and KJ Hamler are also very, very close. And they've, I mean, like I said, these guys are all family away from the field. These guys spend time together. And I don't think that Russell Wilson will let anything happen with KJ Hamler. And I think they restructured his deal to a standpoint that makes it a little bit easier for him, a little bit more of a guarantee to make the roster, but this is a big year for KJ. Who's on the final year of his deal and has to go out there and has to stay healthy. And, uh, I don't know how it's going to play out, gentlemen, but in my head I had projected it as you're going to have Cortland, Jerry, Tim. I think you're going to have Marvin as the fourth guy. That These are the locks, in my opinion. And then I think you're going to have an open competition for those final two spots, which I think it'll be Marquez Calloway. And I think it'll be K.J. Hamler as those six guys there all together at the wide receiver position.
1: He is Cody Rourke, of course, the uh, tip of the spear for the Denver Broncos for us right here on Mile High Sports. Make sure you check out everything he's put together. He talked about that preseason report. You can find it all. Follow him on uh, Twitter at NFL, and you can check out everything there at MileHighSports.com. Make sure you follow him, and if you're not, uh, you're missing out. Camp's going. It's time to get busy. Thanks, Cody. Appreciate it.
0: Appreciate you guys. Have a good one.
1: All right, thanks. Cody Rourke joining us, and uh, I actually, at the moment, I agree with – what he talked about in the wide receiver. I agree with the six of them. I think a lot of it ends up with the Hamler's health, but Hamler's contract restructure, making it much more team-friendly. Generally, when that happens, uh, the team would like to keep you. Uh, I, I think it, it becomes now Hamler's position to lose uh, at this point. And I think Callaway is a very sneaky guy that uh, there's familiarity there. I think that he's all, oh, oh yeah, I think he's close to a lock, to be honest with you. Uh, we'll find out. But it is going to be an interesting A week here, the rookies report, small rookie class for the Broncos. Of course, there will be undrafted as well. And then the rest of it hits on Tuesday. I was struck by uh, what I read today
2: uh, in The Athletic uh, from Randy Mueller, longtime NFL executive, who's been going through division by division, uh, all NFL teams and kind of evaluating them in the present. We were talking earlier about the long-term future, and we'll get to that a little more in a second because he had some very interesting things to say about Sean Payton, and clearly he is in agreement with us that Sean Payton ran the draft. Yeah. And Sean Payton wanted Marvin Mims, and for Randy Mueller, he isn't exactly sure why Sean Payton liked Marvin
1: Mims so much that is interesting and of course that 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 was a question at times as well you know maybe it's about the return game uh, who knows but we'll talk about that because yeah an interesting uh, insight there uh it is the first day of training camp there are the practices but the rookies report today uh, sean payton uh, in focus maybe even more now than russell wilson was last year as the guy expected to come in and end the long drought for the broncos can he do it well we'll get more in to some of those insights next on my life sports
0: it's been a ride. A everybody, everybody guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Sandy Clough and Shondro Tar presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy, is the
1: Broncos training camp is upon us, but the first uh, practice, by the way, in just the Pans can go just a little over a week, nine days. The uh, focus turns to Sean Payton, as he is really the uh, the key to all of this. You know, Russell Wilson needs to be turned around. Uh, the, the, the team is in a rebuild. Uh, in the OTAs, Sean Payton referred to it, along with Greg Penner, who has uh, climbed Mount Everest as base camp. And uh, I think for Broncos fans, the expectation needs to be, look, when your coach and your owner <laughs> are saying that you're at Base camp, uh, the top of the mountain's a long way away. You're preparing for that climb. And that's really what this training camp is. And so it's important to take a look at at Sean Payton, who jumps into an organization that knows it's not immediately ready to win, despite the fact that they traded for Russell Wilson, hoping that they were.
2: Let me put it this way. I don't think there will be any passengers (laughs) on this team this year. And those are the types that they need to weed out the guys who are just happy to be playing in the NFL, making a good salary, have no particular drive or fire. Uh, I, I think there needs to be more demonstrable enthusiasm. I know that the quote that keeps uh, getting thrown around is the, uh, Peyton's definition of confidence is demonstrated ability. Uh, good, Interesting good definition. A better line than the old very, death by inches that okay, we learned. Very, about, right? very interesting. Demonstrated ability. In other words, uh, although Vic Fangio is big on saying show me, uh, don't tell me, uh, I, I'm not sure that Vic Fangio ever really cared all that much about the offense, or even the special teams, he cared about the defense. And when they would lose a low-scoring game, Vic Fangio would sound like a winner after the game because his defense had done its job. Well, we job. remember what was the, this thing the thing the head coach. What was talking? the
1: thing that made him the angriest <laughs> when the Ravens ended up running? They had their streak of hundred-yard rushing. Game. Right, and they, they. No, that made him angry. They didn't that have to. Made him angry than made, losing yes, the game. Yes, that made him more made angry, him angry than angry. losing the game. That's not going to be how Sean Payton works. Right. Sean Payton no, is great. He's not if he's less worried about no. style points. He wants wins. He wants wins. And you know
2: Sean Payton's history. We were talking about wide receivers earlier. It, it, he really doesn't believe in twenty million dollar a year wide receivers. He just doesn't. I'm not sure he believes in seventeen million dollar a year wide receivers. When that guy making seventeen million plays like somebody who should be making nine or ten. And that's Cortland Sutton. I'm just saying that there are no sacred cows here. Mm-hmm. And I I thought it was interesting when they drafted Marvin Mims that Peyton seemed so enthusiastic about it. Now, well, he, didn't, he didn't go as far as to say, oh, this is a guy we'd have taken in the first round if we had <laughs> had a first-round pick. If the first-round pick hadn't been traded for me, remember the Miami pick, which was, I think, number 29 was the one the Broncos had until they had to give it up as part of the deal to get Sean Payton to come here from New Orleans. But when Randy Mueller, longtime NFL executive, did a piece on the AFC West today, evaluating all four teams in the division, he got to Denver, and I thought, frankly, his evaluation of Denver was pretty much spot on. I wasn't as sure about the other three teams, especially the chargers. I didn't find his arguments to be terribly persuasive. He liked Murray more than Derwin James, for example. And I'm like, (laughs) he wasn't watching the same charger team that I was watching last year. That's for sure. Murray's been a disappointment as a, as a first round pick. James, when he's healthy, is an elite safety in the sport. But in any case, he looked at Marvin Mims, and he said, listen, I I was hearing all this stuff about Marvin Mims from Sean Payton when the Broncos took him. And I went back and looked again at the game tape, and he didn't really blow me over. I mean, he's fast in terms of straight-ahead speed, but he didn't seem to have functional football speed that had him racing past cornerbacks on pass patterns. Uh, He he didn't seem to be separating all that effectively. And this is on the college level Mm -hmm. and his hands were okay, but, but not great. I mean, contested catches were in fact contested and didn't always go his way. So he's looking at Mims and now he didn't, Discuss the special teams element, and that may have been part of Peyton's thinking, too, that this guy can be our kickoff and punt return guy in 2023. But purely as a receiver, I read that, and then I read Cosmiter's piece about Patrick and K.J. Hamler getting so close, I'm beginning to think. Maybe we are assuming too much if we are to assume that Marvin Mims will be, as Cody suggested, more or less a lock as is the fourth receiver. Now maybe the kickoff punt return guy and be, be a starter, starter in that sense, sure. but on the and yes. he'll make the team. Certainly. But I, I, I'm, they're not going to cut him. But I, I'm saying may, maybe you know if Russell Wilson has a rapport with K.J. Hamler, Cody talked about, that he doesn't have a Marvin Mims, and it's no fault of either one, and spent a lot of time together, right. then maybe that maybe we should be taking a second and perhaps final look at K.J. Hamler and saying, well, it's Prove a Time, to be sure, mm-hmm. but I don't think we should assume that KJ Hamler can't make this team. No, I mean it is Sean Payton. He doesn't care what KJ Hamler has or hasn't done in the last couple of years.
1: The to me, when you look at at Hamler, the contract restructure was the big thing to look at because I think that's a tell. That sorts. is a tell. I, I think that is absolutely a tell. When you when you see that they restructure a guy's contract, you are uh, attempting to keep him around. That's that's your objective. You would like to keep him around. Right. Uh, that it's just that simple. That's what you're really trying to do. Um, will it work? Is it something that that is going to be feasible? I I don't know, but I do think that the, the Broncos would like it to work. And it it is intriguing to me to see that move. And then again, like you pointed out, well then. Why Mims? Unless, unless, because I've talked about this before, following the season, there are some players that you can move away from that will save you a whole bunch of money. And uh, one of those players that could be moved away from is Cortland Sutton. You can yeah. save $9.7 million. Right. Cortland Sutton it would have 7.6 in dead money if you move on after this year but he makes 17.3 exactly. on the cap next
2: year. So exactly.
1: to me, the the statement for Mims is more of a statement on Cortland Sutton because uh, when you the contracts are a tell in the NFL a little bit because that they have parts that you can move around and parts that you can't. It's basically saying to me that Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick are going to be here next year. They're going to be here in 2023, and they're going to be here in 2024. Now, our injuries, performance, a million things change that, but that's the plan. Uh, Denzel Mims will be here in 2023 and 2024. But pardon me, not Denzel Mims, Marvin Mims. Denzel Mims, who knows where he'll be? Because the Jets are just moving on. <laughs> Could be on the Broncos. Uh, he's oh, going to be up Brazil for anybody. Mims,
2: the more promising future would have to yes. lie with Marvin. Both, uh, both as second, to both Denzel. second
1: rounders. But uh, yeah, Denzel uh, going to be find himself somewhere else. But uh, Marvin, Marvin Mims will be here. The contract adjustment to KJ Hamler, which makes him affordable over the next two years, yeah. tells me that they would like KJ Hamler to be here. Now yeah. Hamler's still going to have to do it, but of course. but I think those contracts are, as you put it, a tell. So I you look know. at I look at Judy, I look at Patrick, I look at yeah. Mims, I look at Hamler, and I say, okay, the Broncos definitely, based on the way the contracts are structured, would like. Those four guys to be there. Now that's interesting. Because you're talking about two very undersized guys, in Hamler, especially Hamler and and Mim. So presumably, if you are a fifth wide receiver might be a guy of Cortland Sutton's size or ability. The question is, I think in Cortland Sutton's case, I really think this is. Not make or break. I think Cortland Sutton has a spot in the NFL. But with the Broncos, if Cortland Sutton doesn't have a very good year, I think Sean Payton is going to look at that dollar amount and say, "Ah, eh, I can find another big guy that that won't cost me nine point seven million, and I can then add in more talent because more talent addition is what the Broncos need all over the field." After four sets the other day in the Wimbledon final between Novak
2: Djokovic uh, and Carlos Ankara, Djokovic yeah. and Alcaraz. I was not convinced that one or the other was the better player. Right? Two sets apiece, right? Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be Alcaraz in the fifth set, six games to four, in an epic match that will be remembered along with, I think, Borg McEnroe both 1980 and 1981. 16-year gap in age. And it will be remembered with Becker's first Wimbledon Mm -hmm. uh, at age 17 and then coming back the next year at age 18 and winning it again as kind of turnaround points. Nadal beating Federer in 2008, which kind of eliminated Federer from the undisputed number one ranking spot. Mm -hmm. Nadal and then Djokovic came on to kind of supplant Better and it started at Wimbledon in the final uh, with, uh, you know, just <laughs> kind of unbelievable scores uh, in uh, in those matches, especially the uh, Djokovic uh, match. Uh, but you do have those changing that, that, that of the guards. Yeah, guard uh, yeah, 6 4, 6 4, 6 7, 6 7, 9 7, right? And with Cortland Sutton, to me, this is the fifth set. <laughs> He's had two good years and two disappointing years on either side of an ACL injury. Yep. The two years before the ACL injury would make you very comfortable paying Cortland Sutton $17, $18 million per year. I think so. Okay. The last two years would make you very uncomfortable paying him anywhere near 17 to $18 million per year. So this is the fifth set. This is the rubber set yeah. of the, the the rubber year for Cortland Sutton. Are you the Cortland Sutton that we remember from 18 and 19, especially 19? Or are you the Cortland Sutton of 21 and 22? We'll find out.
1: We will find and out. And
2: I think the Broncos want an answer to that I question. And that's why I think between Judy and Sutton, the guy they were more aggressive about and we're dealing with somatics here when we say shopping and they say well no we're taking phone calls and it's the same uh, we we but we're asking for a first rounder for judy well we don't really want to trade judy all that much but if you want to blow us away we'll we'll but take it. if you give us a first we'll we'll think about it cuz we don't have a first and they didn't have a second either until the Mims selection, which is right tail end of the second round, right, right. last pick, mm-hmm. right. Uh, they would have liked to have an earlier second round pick, and if somebody had given them an earlier second rounder for Sutton, they would they would have taken it. But I think they were more willing in Sutton's case to take the second, and really thought if it if it happened, there was no doubt that they were trading him. Judy, I think intrigues them a little more than Sutton does at this point. Now, Sutton can get back into good graces if he looks like the 2019 version, especially, of Cortland Sutton. But, you know, we said that K.J. Hamler has to prove it, and he does. Cortland Sutton has to prove it, too. Oh, absolutely. Because you, you can find guys who catch 60 passes for 750, 800 yards growing on trees. Nowadays.
1: So yeah. to speak. Uh, I, I mean, you don't have to pay $17 million. A year me, I that. believe 21 was 21,000-yard receivers in the NFL last year. I mean, it's uh, it's it's different. The well, you, you've got between the 20s, and, and
2: thirteen receivers in the NFL are making twenty million a year or more. Judy isn't one of those thirteen, and Cortland
1: Sutton sure as hell isn't one of those thirteen, and he's making almost twenty million a year. So for the Denver Broncos, these are the kind of things that are going to be coming up. Obviously, it's going to be a fascinating uh, uh, training camp, and we will continue to follow it as things. Go along, but uh, we'll. will turn our. We'll keep it to football, but we'll turn our attention up the road, uh, Highway 36 in particular, where an update from Dion Sanders uh, makes things interesting for the Buffs. We'll hear from the man himself next on My Sports.
0: Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. This is Sandy and Sean hey, on I Mile you High hear from Sports. The I don't
2: like hearsay, and he said and she said and, and they said. It. okay, it's what I said, all right? I apologize that I'm not going to be at the Pac-12 media day um, due to I, get, I have to have a, another surgery tomorrow, Okay. Uh, one in my leg as well as to remove other clots. And we really don't know for sure, but you can show. This is going to be the last time my toes look like that. Okay, you see how they all bent over? Tell them what they're going to do, Lauren. They're going to straighten out. These two, they're going to straighten this one out, and they're going to
1: straighten this one out as well. Deion Sanders, originally from his Instagram, talking to uh, the athletic trainer, Lauren Ashkavok, about uh, the surgery that he's going to have tomorrow. Obviously, there were concerns with clots to the point where they, he was uh, uh, thought that it was possible to even lose the, uh, the foot. It's, it seems like that's no longer going to be the case. Uh, Nike apparently is working on making a custom shoe to compensate for the fact the injury uh, to the toes. Of course, he's lost one of them uh, already, and they will try to straighten those. And uh, that, that part is is interesting. He had the successful surgery last month for the blood clots, trying to get the rest of them. And uh, this, this goes back all the way back to 2021 when he was hospitalized after getting the surgery to repair the dislocated toe, and that found all, the, all sorts of the, the clots. So... Um, it's media day. It's not a big deal, but here's the thing: it kind of is a big deal, Sandy, because the Pac-12 is desperately trying to keep itself together. Uh, there are defections happening. You know, we know what we know about USC. We know about uh, teams that are leaving the, the the Pac-12. UCLA. UCLA. They don't you know, trying to hang on to Oregon for dear life. Right. The they don't have a new rights deal yet. And not the truth yet. of the matter is. Deion Sanders, despite the fact Colorado went won eleven last year is the single best selling point for the PAC 12 right is, now, right now, and this yeah. was expected in Las Vegas, which by the way, no PAC 12 team is in Las Vegas yeah. to <laughs> showcase in many ways. This was Deion was going to be the star of this show to put the conference front and center. It's a bit of a shame for Colorado because they, they also lose out on the media attention, but, They've already gotten that roster turned over with the transfer portal for this year about as much as you're going to do so. It's a loss, I think, more than anything for the conference. As strange as that may sound.
2: I I agree. It's more a loss for the conference than it is for CU in particular. Um, But uh, he has a way of making himself heard, Uh, even outside of formal media days. So uh, the idea that he will be... uh, Running through the tunnel, leading his team yeah, out of the is. field in Fort Worth on September second against TCU. The, uh, still something he talks
1: about doing. Yeah, and the over/under, by the way, for you're talking about uh, the wins. I think reality has come back over to <laughs> our friends at SuperBook Sports. <laughs> yeah. uh, the over is three and a half games. That uh, they I'd t- probably go over. Me right? too, especially as they uh, By the way, we've talked about our friends. It's a, It's plus one ten right now, so uh, you get plus money to go over there if they get four wins. I have to think once or twice. If there's enough talent. Uh, yeah. CU is not it, they are no longer bereft of talent they are short on experience and they depth. are short on depth they are short on proving it at this level with some sure. of the transfers yeah but you know I was at that the black and and I understand that that's not a uh that, that that's a scrimmage as well but I, I spent a lot of attention paying you looking at your Travis Hunter your core McLean I was in the in the booth actually it was The PA in the booth was making the calls for the booth in that game, so I'm obviously paying very close attention. But uh, the guys like Hunter, the guys like McLean, you're out, McCaskill, Kamalila. There's, there's no question that they're ready. Uh, A lot of the questions revolve around Shooter Sanders. I, I can tell you, the physical ability to play quarterback at a high level, even in the Pac-12, is absolutely there. He's got the arm strength. He's got the mobility. Uh, he has the same I- – interesting that the two men worked out. He has the same issue as Russell Wilson. He rolls out trying to create and holds on to the ball too long and takes hits that he doesn't need to hit. That's also Shadur Sanders' uh, issue. But otherwise, there's – I have to think that CU is going to steal a game or two this year that people don't expect him to steal. And I think by the end of the year, as this roster starts to gel, we talked about that this Monday with Justin Adams, uh, former CU Buff tight end himself. Uh, talked about how it takes about you by about the halfway point of the season. Now guys are accustomed to each other. You know what they're going to be able to do with as as a unit. I I have to think that that I I, I see that at three and a half. I think that's low. I think CU is going to make it challenging and maybe try to squeak into a bowl. I think they're going to end with five, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did. Might find a way to steal six, and I think for the first year, given all the turnover, given everything they've done, that would be remarkable. They open a TCU. You can't count on that one. I would, right? think, I would think not. Now that to, to be fair, I no, you can't count on it. But you're gonna be playing with house money and TCU lost major parts of that team. We don't know what they're gonna look like either. Are they truly a team that's made that leap and they're gonna be a juggernaut year in, year out? But for a lot of people, Dykes was the coach of the year last year. Yeah. So, well, but, well it should be.
2: Uh Nebraska, uh CU will be an underdog. I happen to think they'll win that when that, I, I think I there'll think be tremendous emotion around it. Uh, not only that it's Nebraska, but it's Dion's home opener. Uh, the house will be packed, and not necessarily packed because there's a lot of red in the stands. Although uh, there'll then, still be plenty of the, that, there'll be some. It's just the way it goes, there'll be some. But this uh, this is a different different kind of uh, fan base now. They they've been. Uh, they've been uh, electrified if, uh,
1: well, and that's the well, right Nebraska is coming off a four and eight year. They haven't yeah. been, they have not been a pro look. The truth of the matter is since the Buffaloes and the Cornhuskers left their respective conferences, suffice it to say, maybe they got more money, but life has not gotten better for either of those football programs. I mean, both of those football programs have were better off where they were. It's that's the reality.
2: I, I agree with that. Um, I'm not sure competitively about Colorado. Nebraska, definitely going to the Big Ten. Mistake. Um, Anyway, Colorado State, uh, Colorado should get that one. Over under, by the way, at the Rams
1: and our friends at Superbook is an even five. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Probably fair, considering uh, Coach Norvell doing a good job recruiting out there, too. Yeah, in in, uh, schedules. Um, At Oregon, obviously tough. Here against USC, same thing. Uh, At Arizona State, here against Stanford, that's definitely winnable, and I think that would get them to uh, three right there. At UCLA, uh, might be tough. Oregon State is homecoming. I think you need that one. Arizona, the following week at home, you need that one. Um, Where does that leave you? Three, four, five, and then... Speaking, as you were, of the need to win one you're not supposed to win at Washington State, at Utah, I think your chances at Washington State are better, but that's a Friday night game on the road. Uh, It will be challenging, and then eight days later, November 25th, they wrap up on the road at Utah. Uh, Colorado's lost six straight overall to Utah. And last one there in 2011. Uh, that's not one to count on. So maybe Washington State is the one you steal. Yeah, that could to be get it. you
1: to six to get
2: you bowl eligible in 2023.
1: We will see. But after the surgery, as as you pointed out, Dion is confident that uh, he'll be back and ready to go. Maybe, uh, maybe not better than ever. Of course, talk about a Hall of Fame an athlete, a two, two two sport brilliant player. But uh, as a coach, maybe better than he's been.
2: So, I'm going to be high-stepping and running that. I promise you, when we go to TCU, I'm running out in front of our team. I promise you
1: that. High-stepping, no less. Love to see that. Six weeks from Saturday. Good luck to him with the surgery tomorrow, obviously. Hope for all the best with the the surgery and get through some of those problems that have been plaguing him for a couple of years. Good luck to uh, Coach Deion Sanders up in Buffalo. Thanks to Cody Rourke for joining us. Of course, check out Cody at Cody Rourke NFL on Twitter and Everything he's putting together over at Mile High Sports, which is, by the way, a lot. Cody is uh, productive and has great viewpoints on a lot of things. And you want to follow Cody because there's even more to come soon enough. That'll do it for us today. Thanks to Andrew Denver in the booth for making everything sound good and look good. That's right. We meant look good because you can watch us on the mile high sports, a website, milehighsportscom slash watch, or uh, in the app in which it may be the, even the best and easiest way to do it. You get us uh, crystal clear anytime you want, including not only this show, all the other shows and all of the terrific written content. Because uh, as we pointed out, uh, thanks to the New York times doing it, we have beat writers like Cody and others that will feature on this show, but you can get them all, all of it. Uh, the audio, the video, the podcast, the writing, on the Mile High Sports app. So make sure you check that out if you don't get it uh, free everywhere you get your apps. That'll do it for us. We will be back tomorrow. Broncos training camp officially underway. Practice is still a ways off, but rookies report today. Veterans report on Tuesday. We'll stay on top of it right here for Sandy Clough. I'm Sean Drotar. Keep it tuned to Mile High Sports.